Amen again for that. Mm -hmm. All right, my friends, let's quickly, well, let's have a word of prayer. We'll review briefly what we did last week and get right into it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much once again for bringing us here. And Lord, let's open your word again, please. Be with us, Father God. Speak to us. And we pray that we can learn new and amazing things from your word. Bless us to this end, we pray, Father God. Be with my words, my thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, those are your last time, quiz time. What is the subject of our uh, three May before part series? The voice of God. And what is the main theme of the book of Daniel? Deliverance. But there is also one very important word in that whole book of Daniel. You remember? It was found in Daniel 6. As the king is lowering Daniel down to the den of lions, the king says, the God that you serve continually. Okay, key word there, continually. And we saw that the, the, uh, the deliverances in the book of Daniel are symbols or illustrations of what? Oh, you're scaring me. The, the, the deliverance of the three Hebrews in the fire furnace, the, the deliverance of Daniel and Lion's Den, they, they, they typify, they illustrate, they symbolize the deliverance of God's people in the last days. Amen? Okay? And, and we, we're taking a look here that contrary to popular opinion, God's people in the last days are not delivered at the second coming of Christ, but were delivered when? At the voice of God. And when is it that God speaks? When the sixth plague merges into the seventh plague. And, 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 and we set the stage. Let's hope this works here. Okay, we set the stage last week, went through all this here, okay, how, how the last time the voice of God was heard on earth, it was a very important event, and uh, apologize about the technical difficulties, but we're doing the best we can here, and we set the, protection, the, the, the stage right here at the very end of time when the king of the north, which is the papacy, uh, 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 is given all military and financial power on earth, and they go off to conquer the world. And right as they think they have the entire planet, there is a small, well, there's tidings that come from what directions? Remember? The east and the north. And we saw that symbolizes God's people going off and proclaiming the Sabbath more fully. And when that happens, the king of the north, the papacy, is going to be furious and go off to destroy God's people. Okay, that is where we set the stage, and we began reading right here, Great Controversy 635. Okay, kind of we left off last time, so now we're going to take it a, a, a lot deeper, okay, with the time that we have. But let's begin right here with the last time, okay? Great Controversy 635, when the protection of human laws shall be withdrawn from those who honor the law of God, there will be in different lands a simultaneous movement for their destruction. As the appointed... As, as a time appointed in the decree draws near, the people conspire to root out the hated sect. It will be determined to strike in one night a decisive blow which shall utterly silence the voice of dissent and reproof. The people of God, some in prison cells, some hidden in solitary retreats in the forests and the mountains, still plead for divine protection, while in every quarter companies of our men urged on by hosts of evil angels, are preparing for the work of death. It is now in the hour of utmost extremity that the God of Israel will interpose for the deliverance of his chosen. And then she quotes a text we'll look at more deeply later on, okay? But she quotes how it is that God's going to deliver his people. And we saw right here it says, And the Lord shall cause his glorious what? Voice to be heard. 
Now tonight, we're going to take a look at how it is that that glorious voice is indeed going to deliver us. Let's move on here, okay? Now, this is kind of lift up last time, so we're going to slow down in just a bit. With shouts of triumph, jeering, and imprecation, throngs of evil men are about to rush upon their prey, when lo, a dense blackness, deeper than the darkness of night, falls upon the earth. So what plague just hit? Plague number five. Okay? Now, I, I, I want to show you something here. And my friends, if you have not read The Great Controversy yet, please do so. Okay? It'll protect us from many of the end-time deceptions. And, and I'll just say here that next to the Bible, next to the Word of God, this is by far the most important book on planet Earth today, by far. Next to the Bible. Now, if you go to the Great Controversy, and if you go, I believe it's on page uh, 628, you'll notice that on this page here, okay, she begins quoting plague number one, then plague number two, then plague number three, and then plague number four. And, in fact, we might not be that familiar with it, so let's go there quickly, okay? Let's go to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. I'm gonna show, there's a reason why we're going to show, show this this evening. Okay, chapter 16, Revelation. We find the seven last plagues. Okay, plague number one is found in verse 2. It says, And the first one out poured his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome, grievous sore upon men which had the mark of the beast. So it's not very specific, just a grievous sore upon those that have the mark of the beast. Plague number two, number, in verse three. And the second angel poured his vial upon the sea, became as the blood of a dead man. Verse four. And the third angel poured his vial upon the rivers and founts of waters, and they became blood. Okay? Plague number four is found in verse eight. And the fourth angel poured his vial upon the sun, and power was given attempt to scorch men with fire. You think it's hot right now? Okay, I mean, imagine it being 150, 160 degrees outside. It'll burn you. So here in the chapter entitled, The Time of Trouble, she quotes plague number one, plague number two, plague number three, plague number four. But then you continue reading, you continue reading, you continue reading, until you get to chapter 40. And when you get to the second page of chapter 40, that is where we're reading right now. Where she says, And lo, a dense blackness, deeper than the darkness of night, falls upon the earth. What plague is that? Plague number 5, verse 10. And the fifth angel put his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of what? Darkness. Let's read on. Then a rainbow, shining with the glory from the throne of God, spans the heavens and seems to encircle each praying company. The angry multitudes are suddenly arrested. Their mocking cries die away. The objects of their murderous rage are forgotten. With fearful forebodings, they gaze upon the symbol of God's covenant and long to be shielded from its overpowering brightness. What plague just hit? Plague number six. Now, how do we know that it's plague number six? Huh? Yes. How widespread is plague five? I don't know. It's a good question. We do know that the plagues will not all be universal. That we know. So is the entire planet going to be covered in darkness? I don't know, but I'll say this much. It'll at least take place where God's people are in danger. That we know. But other than that, I'm not going to speculate. But that's a very good question. Okay, now. Yeah, okay. The, the, the seat of the beast and the, and the kingdom is full of darkness. It might be worldwide because at that time, 
we find that God's people all over the world are going to be at the point of death. So I'll know when it happens. Good question. Okay, now, how do we know this is referred to plague number six? Plague number six is found in verse 12. Verse 12, the Bible says, And the sixth angel poured his vial upon the great river what? Euphrates. Now, we've mentioned that river in the past in a different way. But we've got to ask ourselves here, this Euphrates, is it the literal Euphrates? Or is it talking about something else? Now, let me just tell you something about the literal Euphrates in Iraq. Here it says that the, the Euphrates was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Well, listen, today's armies cross vast oceans. A little river does not have to be dried up for armies to cross over these days. And in fact, the river Euphrates, at its deepest, is only about 12 feet deep. It's an important river. But there are even parts of the Euphrates where at certain times of the year it dries up. We're not talking literally Euphrates in Iraq. Okay, but watch this. The Bible tells us what the Euphrates is. In chapter 17, verse 1, take it a little bit deeper here. Okay, it says here, And there came out one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come here, and I'll show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon what? Many waters. Question, who? So, so an angel, one of the seven angels that had the seven last plagues, one of those angels now comes to John and says, John, come here. Let me show you the judgment of this whore that sits upon waters. Question, which of those seven angels came and spoke to John? I'm going to show you right now that was actually the sixth angel. How do we know? Listen. This angel comes and tells John, I'm going to show you the judgment of the whore that sits upon waters. Question, who is this whore based on the Bible? Verse 5 tells us, and upon her forehead was the name written, mystery who? Babylon. So the whore is Babylon. Are you following me so far? Amen. And Babylon sits upon what? Many waters. Now, biblically speaking and historically speaking, geographically speaking, what are the waters upon which Babylon sits? The Euphrates. So the whore sits on the Euphrates. Is there a plague that deals specifically with the Euphrates? Plague number six. It's not rocket science. It's quite simple. So, the waters that the whore sits upon are who? Verse 15. And he said unto me, The waters which you saw where the whore sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. But not only that, they're the people, the nations, the multitudes, the tongues that actually obey the whore. Those that do the bidding of the whore. Those that are going to be submissive and go along with the decrees of the whore. Are you following me? Amen? So in other words, at this point in time in earth's history, all powers of the earth, all nations, all peoples, all multitudes, all tongues are going to come together. They're going to give their power to the beast, to the whore, and they're going to obey the whore in her command to come and destroy God's people. So up until plague number six, the world believes that the whore, the papacy, is of God and that we are the ones in the wrong. But when plague number six happens, what happens? The angry multitudes are suddenly arrested. 
their mocking cries die away. The objects of their murderous rage are forgotten. With fearful bodings, they gaze upon the symbol of God's covenant and long to be shielded from its overpowering brightness. What happened? The Euphrates just dried up. They no longer obey the whore because now they realize they've been deceived. We're going to come back to that later on. Wrong one. Goes on. By the people of God, a voice clear and melodious is heard saying, Look up, and lifting their eyes to the heavens, they behold the bow of promise. The black angry clouds that cover the firmament are parted. And like Stephen, they look up steadfastly into heaven and see the glory of God and the Son of Man seated upon his throne. In his divine form, they discern the marks of his humiliation. And from his lips, they hear the request presented before his Father and the holy angels, I will that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. Again, a voice, musical and triumphant is heard, saying, They come, they come, holy, harmless, and undefiled. They have kept the word of my patience, and they shall walk among the angels. And the pale, quivering lips of those who have held fast their... Ah, doesn't finish it. Those who have held fast their faith... Let me find it here. I apologize about that technical difficulty. Um... Those who have fast their faith utter a shout of victory. Then it goes on. Did I? It is at midnight that God manifests his power for the deliverance of his people. The sun appears, shining in its strength. Signs and wonders follow in quick succession. The wicked, that's the Euphrates, Look with terror and amazement upon the scene, while the righteous behold with solemn joy the tokens of their what? Question, has Christ come yet? No. But are they delivered? Yes. Let's keep on reading. Everything in nature seems turned out of its course. The streams cease to flow. Dark, heavy clouds come up and clash against each other. In the midst of the angry heavens is one clear space of indescribable glory whence comes the voice of God like the sound of many waters saying what? It is done. Has Christ come yet? No. But there's something else God says. Okay? There's something else God says. Now watch this. That voice shakes the heavens and the earth. Don't forget that. The enemies of God's law, from the ministers down to the least among them, have a new conception of truth and duty. Too late, they see that the Sabbath of the fourth commandment is the seal of the living God. Too late. They see the true nature of their spurious Sabbath and the setting foundation upon which they have been building. They find that they have been fighting against God. Religious teachers that have led souls to perdition while professing to guide them to the gates of paradise. While professing to guide them to the gates of paradise. Okay? Not until the day of final accounts Will it be known how great is the responsibility of men in holy office and how terrible are the results of their unfaithfulness? Have mercy. Only in eternity can we rightly estimate the loss of a single soul. Fearful will be the doom of him whom God shall say, Depart, thou wicked servant. But God's voice says something else. Notice what it says. It says right here, The voice of God is heard from heaven declaring what? The day and hour of Jesus' coming and delivering the everlasting covenant to his people. Christ hasn't come yet. 
but were delivered. Like peals of loudest thunder, his words rolled through the earth. The Israel of God stand listening with their eyes fixed upward. Their countenances are lighted up with his glory and shine as to the face of Moses when he came down from Sinai. The wicked cannot look upon them. And when the blessing is pronounced on those who have honored God by keeping his Sabbath day holy, there is a mighty shout of victory. And I say praise God for that. So many prophecies will find their fulfillment in the period between the time that God's voice brings deliverance to his people and the actual glorious appearing of our Lord at his second coming. Between those two events, many prophecies will find their fulfillment. When God's voice proclaims, it is done, the time will have come for the fulfillment of many prophecies that have foretold the display of God's anger. Because then will begin the battle of that great day of God Almighty. When the Lord deals with those who have fought against him and shown their hatred towards him by trying to kill his people because they're loyal to his commandments. Let's take a look at these now. Let's go to Isaiah 59. As we get a little deep more into it. Isaiah 59, and let's go to verse 17. Isaiah 59, verse 17, on you there, please say amen. Isaiah 59, verse 17. The Bible says, For he, talking about the Lord, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of, of what? Vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Now, now watch this. Right now, Jesus is serving in what capacity in heaven? He's our high priest. And according to Hebrews, he's dressed as a high priest. But the time is coming when Jesus is going to what? Change clothing. Because when Christ comes, he's no longer coming as a priest. He's not coming as what? Say it again, brother. As king of kings. And he's coming to do battle. Because you read Exodus 15, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And he's coming to do battle. And he's putting on garments of vengeance. Why? Because what are the forces of earth about to do to his people? Destroy them. And if God does not intervene, we will be destroyed. So he puts on garments of vengeance. And verse 18 says, According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will pay recompense. Why? Because the forces of earth have come together for the sole purpose of destroying us. And God's going to say, enough is enough. He's going to throw down the censor. He's no longer going to intercede for us, going to change garments, put on garments of vengeance, and come and do battle to protect his people. Now, watch this. Early writings. At the commencement of the Holy Sabbath, January 5, 1849, we engaged in prayer with Brother Bellin's family in Rocky Hill, Connecticut, and the Holy Ghost fell upon us. I was taken off in vision to the most holy place where I saw Jesus still interceding for Israel. On the bottom of his garment was a bell and a pomegranate. Then I saw that Jesus would not leave the most holy place until every case was decided either for salvation or destruction and that the wrath of God could not come until Jesus had finished his work in the most holy place. Now we'll stop there. See, we, 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 we have to 
begin to connect a lot of things here. Here she says that the wrath of God could not come until Jesus had finished his work in the most holy place. Question, what is the wrath of God? How do we know? Look at chapter 15, Revelation. Let's, let's, let's study this out. Revelation 15, and let's go to verse 1. Okay, 15, verse 1. Revelation 15, verse 1, the Bible says, And I son of the, and I son of the sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels, having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up what? The wrath of God. So the seven last plagues, the wrath of God, will not come until Jesus' work as our high priest comes to an end. If you follow me, say amen. But now watch this. Okay, it goes on. Until Jesus has finished his work in the most holy place, laid off his priestly attire, and clothed himself with garments of what? Vengeance. Yeah, of course, Ellen White made this up. Okay. No. I mean, the more you look at the Bible, you can realize, oh, oh, that's where she got it from. It goes on. Then Jesus will step out from between the Father and man, and God will keep silence no longer, but pour out his wrath on those who have rejected his truth. I saw that the anger of the nations, the wrath of God, the time to judge the dead were separate and distinct, one following the other. Also that Michael had not stood up and that the time of trouble, such as never was, has not yet commenced. The nations are now getting angry. But when our high priest has finished his work in the sanctuary, he will stand up, put on the garments of vengeance, and then the seven last plagues will be poured out. You guys catching this? I mean, this is very clear. Now, let's go to Isaiah 42. Again, voice of God. Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. And, and, and let's go to verse 13. Isaiah 42, verse 13. And when you're there, please say amen. Okay, this, this is amazing here. Isaiah 42, 13. The Bible says, The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man, he shall stir up jealousy like a man of what? Man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. And now look at verse 14. I have long time held my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. Question. Has not God... For the past 2,000 years, apparently sat back and allowed his people to go through tremendous suffering and persecution. Throughout the Middle Ages, tremendous persecution. And yes, God was with his people, but he refrained himself. He held back. He allowed multitudes of his own people to suffer and die for the cause of truth. And my friends, don't think that that did not hurt the heart of God. He suffered with his people. And yes, he gave them the strength to endure. But here it says, I have long time held my people. I've held back. I refrained myself. But now will I cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. Because this will be the time of the fullness of the wrath of God, the fierceness of his anger. It will be the time when many prophecies scattered throughout the word of God will find their fulfillment. Let's show you some of these. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 2. And let's compare scripture to scripture. Isaiah 2, and let us begin in verse 11. Isaiah 2, verse 11. Are we there, amen? The Bible says, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, 
and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan. Verse 17. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Verse 18. And the idols he shall utterly abolish, and they shall go into the holes of the rocks, into the caves of the earth, for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to do what? To shake terribly the earth. Keep reading. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver, his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles, to the bats, to go to the cliffs of the rocks, to the top of the ragged rocks, for fear of the Lord, when he, the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Now, let, let, let's, let's compare these scriptures. Here we find that in that day, they're going to go to the holes and rocks, to the caves of the earth, for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. Where have we read another verse like that before in the Bible? Let's go there. Revelation chapter 6. It's keep your finger there. Keep your finger there in Isaiah. Okay? But we're going to find here that it's describing the same exact event. Revelation 6, and let's go to verse 14. Okay? Revelation 6, verse 14. The Bible says, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island removed out of their places. Verse 15. And the kings of the earth... And the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Talking about the same thing here? Absolutely. Now in Isaiah, it says, when the Lord arises to do what? Shake terribly the earth. Question. What is it that shakes terribly the earth? The second coming? Uh -uh. We're going to see, my friends, what it is that shakes terribly the earth. Let's go to the Bible, and then the spirit of prophecy. Amen? Let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, and let's go to verse 18. Hebrews 12, verse 18. Paul here is going to remind his readers of what took place in Mount Sinai in the days of Moses. Hebrews 12, verse 18. The Bible says, For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. Because when the Lord came on Mount Sinai, there was thunders, lightnings, darkness, and even hail. Verse 19. And the sound of a trumpet, and the what? Voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Do you recall the story in Exodus 20? Verse 20. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was a sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Do you recall the story? You know, the movies have it all wrong. I mean, never watch those movies. I mean, they have it all wrong. When God gave his Ten Commandments, it was not only to Moses. The entire nation heard the voice of God giving his law. They saw the mountain shake. They heard God's voice. And after God spoke the Ten Commandments, 
the people told Moses in Exodus 20, you can read it, listen Moses, you talk to us. We'll hear you, but not God, lest we die. And here Moses, Paul's reminding them that event. Verse 20, but you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escaped not, who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from where? Verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also what? So what is it that's going to shake terribly the earth? The voice of God. It's not the second coming. It's God's voice that's going to shake terribly the earth. And Paul's saying, listen, in the days of Moses, that voice shook Mount Sinai. And if they didn't escape because they didn't listen, we're not going to escape if we don't listen. Now, watch this. Early writings. December 16th, 1848. The Lord gave me a view of the shaking of the powers of the heavens. I saw that when the Lord said heaven, in giving the signs recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he meant heaven. And when he said earth, he meant earth. The powers of heaven are the sun, moon, and stars. They rule in the heavens, and the powers of earth are those that rule the earth. The powers of heaven will be shaken when? At the voice of God. Then the sun, moon, and stars will be moved out of their places. They will not pass away, but be shaken by the what? Now, I want you guys to picture with me. Because this is awesome. Well, let's finish here, the, the, the statement here. Uh, is that one where I go? Uh, uh, I guess I don't have it here. But I want you to picture with me. We just read a while ago that when God speaks, he actually says two things. He says, it is done. And then he announces what else? The Dan hour of what? So the creator, okay, and, and we know that based on Revelation, yes, I know that Jesus is our creator, but based in Revelation, the Father oversaw the creation. Uh, Jesus was the active agent in creation, but the Father was the supervisor of the creation, if you're following me. So the, 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 the creator is going to announce the day and hour of the Creator's coming. Are you following me? And when His creation, the moon, the sun, the stars, when they hear that announcement, they're going to move, get out of the way, because our Creator's coming. The heavens are going to cooperate and clear the path because he's coming. Mm. Now, it's at this time when many prophecies find their fulfillment between the voice of God and the actual second coming of Christ. Let's begin to show you some of these in more depth.
And I think I have to throw a part four in this series because we're just not going to finish in, part, in three parts. All right, we'll see. Let's go to Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13. And let's go to verse 5. Isaiah 13, verse 5. When you're there, please say amen. amen. The Bible says, Isaiah 13, verse 5. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Does God have weapons? Mm. We'll show you some of those weapons later on. Verse 6, howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction for the Almighty. Therefore, shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. They shall be afraid, pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman in travail. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. Verse 10. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and it's going down uh, uh, forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Why? What's happened to the powers of heaven? What happened? They're moved. They're shaken. It goes on. Verse 11. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even more than the, the golden wedge of Ophir. 13. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. The question, what is it that shakes heaven and the earth? The voice of God. And that takes place at the seventh plague. Now let's go to Isaiah 30, the text that Sister White quoted in Great Controversy. Isaiah 30. You're going to find here many prophecies are fulfilled at this time. Isaiah 30, and let's go to verse 27. Isaiah 30, 27. When you're there, please say amen. The Bible says, Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger, and the burden, of, the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue as a devouring fire. Now, now, now usually we don't talk about God in these terms. God angry, fierce, furious? Absolutely. Because what is the world about to do to his people? Destroy them. He's coming in, 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 in righteous indignation. Verse 28. And his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach the midst of the neck and sift the nations with a sieve of vanity. 29. But you, the people of God, in the midst of all that, will have a song as in the night when a holy solemnity is kept, and gladness of heart as one goes with a pipe and comes to the mount of the Lord as the mighty one of Israel. Luke 29, verse 30. And the Lord shall cause what? His glorious voice to be heard and will show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger, with the flame of a devouring fire, with scattering and tempest and What? Come on now. Someone's got to know this. When is God going to use hailstones? Which plague? Plague number seven. Every hailstone about the weight of a what? Talent. You know how much a talent weighs? 70 pounds. 70 pounds. 
your average bowling ball weighs 15 pounds. What would happen to Bakersfield if it rained 15-pound bowling balls? Imagine 70-pound boulders raining down. But now look at verse 31. For through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down which smote with a rod. And in this context, Assyria now is symbolic of our end-time enemies. And what is God going to use? His what? His voice. Now, now I, I can't resist. I, I, I got to tell you this now. I was going to say this for, for, for next time, but to give you an idea, just to give you an idea, okay? Jesus, while on earth, at the Mount of Transfiguration, which of his disciples went with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John. Now, question. Were Peter, James, and John, were they the enemies of Jesus or were they the friends of Jesus? They were the closest friends Jesus had on earth. And at that mount, when those friends of Jesus heard the voice of the Father, how did they react? They fell down because they were sore afraid. If that's how the friends of Jesus react when they hear the voice of God, how are the enemies of Jesus going to react when they hear God's voice to deliver us from their murderous rage? You don't get it. <laughs> if that's how the friends of Jesus react, imagine how the enemies are going to react when they hear God's voice. In, fa in fact, getting way ahead of myself, in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they hear? They heard the voice of God, and they did what? They ran. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Now, Let's go to Isaiah 34. We have just about 10 more minutes. Then we've got to wrap this up. Isaiah 34. Isaiah 34. And let's go to verse 1. Isaiah 34, verse 1. We're going to compare some scriptures here now. Okay? Are we there, amen? amen? The Bible says, Come near you nations to hear. Hearken you people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the what? Okay. Delivered them to the slaughter. Okay. Now, I say this with utmost respect to our Sunday-keeping friends, but the way that they interpret Bible prophecy, it's actually quite laughable. If you've seen the end time, the, the, the Left Behind series and all these things, okay? Okay, now I'm going to show you right now Armageddon. Because Armageddon has absolutely nothing to do with the war in the Middle East. Amen. Zero. Okay, this notion about China and Russia invading Israel, is laughable. But here, Isaiah says that the Lord has delivered them to the what? Slaughter. Now, the word itself, Armageddon, is found only one place in the entire Bible, and that's in Revelation 16, verse 16. Now, in verse 16 of chapter 6 in Revelation, it says that in the Hebrew tongue, it is pronounced Armageddon. Revelation, however, was, was written in what language? Greek. So there's something significant about the word 
Armageddon in the Hebrew. The word Armageddon is made up of two words, har Megiddo. Armageddon. The word har means mountain. The word Megiddo means slaughter. Mountain of slaughter. Meaning that God is going to deliver his enemies to the mountain of slaughter in the last days. Has nothing to do with nuclear weapons and, and, and jets raining down on, on Israel. Zero. In fact, later on, if, I, if, I'm, if we have time later on in the future, uh, I, have a, I have a whole, I think, eight part series entitled Get Your Eyes Off Jerusalem. And it bugs me when I hear even our own talk about Jerusalem saying, well, the holy land. Let me tell you something, my friends. Jerusalem is no more holy than Las Vegas. In fact, Ellen Dwight tells us there's a curse over Jerusalem. So, nothing holy about it. Anyway, leaving that aside, let's go on here. Verse 3. They're slain also shall be cast out. And this thing shall come into their, uh, uh, out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Verse 4. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a what? We saw that already in Revelation chapter 6. And what is it that's going to cause that to happen? The voice of God. Keep on reading. And all their hosts shall fall down, and the leaf falls as leaf falls from the vine, and as a falling of the fig tree. For my sword shall be what? Bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Edomia, upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with what? Blood. Now this is graphic language. You mean God has a sword? Uh-huh. Me full of blood? Uh-huh. And it's amazing because God waits to the very moment, to the very last moment, so that he can actually be justified and point out his fierce anger because if he does not intervene, earth will destroy his people completely to the very last one. But now let's show you this. Let me take a little bit deeper and then we'll wrap this up. Okay? Because I hope you're taking notes. So you're comparing here, connecting all these verses together. Okay? Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. And here we find a powerful description of the actual second coming of Christ. Okay? And, and we're going to compare this right now. Okay? But I hope you're seeing so far that we're delivered long before the second coming at the voice of God. Chapter 19 of Revelation, and let's go to verse 11. When you're there, please say amen. The Bible says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make what? So when Christ comes, is he coming to, to make war? He's coming as king of kings. He's coming to do battle. Commerce of vengeance. Verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. 13. And he was clothed with a vesture, dipped in what? Blood. And his name is called what? The Word of God. But his vesture, his clothing, his garments... Is dipped in what? So question. Whose blood is that? Usually we say, well, it's his own blood. Uh-uh. It's not his own blood. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63, and let's go to verse 1. 
verse 1. Isaiah 63, verse 1. The Bible says, are we there, amen? In fact, we, we might close with this text, maybe, maybe one more. Isaiah 63, verse 1. Look, look what it's asking. Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. And now look at the question. Why are you red in your apparel and your garments like him that treads in the wine fat? You know what the wine fat is? How, how would they make wine back in those days? They would stomp on the grapes. And as they're stomping on the grapes, what is happening to their garments? It's getting stained in guess what color? Red. Verse 3. I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there are none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. So when Christ comes, praise God indeed, symbolically speaking, he's going to tread on his enemies, and their blood is going to stain his righteous garment. Wow. Last scripture. We're closing. Jeremiah 25. Last scripture. Jeremiah 25. And, and we actually haven't really gotten to the gist of just yet, actually. So, do, do, Jeremiah 25. And let's go to verse 30. Jeremiah 25, verse 30. And this is a scripture we're going to unpack much more detail later on. Jeremiah 25, verse 30. The Bible says, Therefore, prophesy against them all these words uh, and, and say unto them, The Lord shall roar from on high and utter what, my friends? Read it, please. His voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. A noise shall come even to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. Thus is the Lord of hosts. Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coast of the earth, and the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one of the earth, even to the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be dung upon the ground. 34, 37, we'll deal with later. But my friends, the time in between the voice of God and the actual second coming of Christ is when all these and many other scriptures are going to find their fulfillment. We're delivered not when Christ comes. We're delivered when God breaks his silence of after 2,000 years and he speaks. And that voice declares it is done and that voice announces the hour and day of his coming and the heavens and the earth are going to obey. Earth is going to tremble and shake. And the star, the moon, the sun are going to get out of the way, preparing for his coming. Amen. And I want to see all of that, my friends. Amen. Amen for that. Do not miss next week. The good stuff's coming. I promise you. Okay, do not miss next week. Okay, tell a friend, yes, please, we want this place full. Whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Are we meeting next week? Is, is, is there, is there an afternoon program for Sacred Works? 
I don't want to meet if there's an afternoon program with the Sacred Works thing. I don't want to. Is, is there any way we can find out? Is there a flyer around somewhere? In the afternoon? Are, are, are we sure? All right. You're checking your email right now. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't want to interfere with that. Um, so, so, yeah. We'll wait, wait on elder figures here to, <laughs> to, to bring us some light. <laughs> All right, so next Sabbath, 6 p.m. Okay, let's try to start on time, and uh, we'll go as much as the ground. I'm going to try to finish this series next Sabbath evening, but if not, we'll go one more, and then we'll have, we'll, we'll turn.